Good evening, folks, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. I am your host here, Austin, and I am joined by my immaculate co-host. Uh, excuse me while I try and operate on a robot. Even though I am not a technician, I am a doctor. Yeah, that's all nice and all, but what's your name? My name is Bill. Oh, good. Good to know. <laughs> and uh, not only are we joined by Bill, um, we also have a very special guest on this episode. A special guest, would you mind introducing yourself? Hi, Basil from the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. Now, if you excuse me, I've got this big clump of tumors and I need to fashion into a real girl. Are you guys sure that you need to be on a podcast right now? It sounds like you guys have a lot of uh, prior obligations going on. If I need to go, I, I can go. No, 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 uh, it's fine. In fact, I think we need to have a look at you. I think there's... Uh, we're going to have to operate. Oh, oh no. no. It's probably lupus, though. It's, you should be fine. <laughs> oh, no, it sounds horrible. Well, I guess, I guess I can be a little bit skeptical because I'm not sure that you have a license. But then again, neither does Dr. Blackjack, so who am I to trust? Look, he's just... He's not with the man. He's his own <laughs> man. He... But how can he resist his services when he has the attitude of Captain Harlock and a very stylish uh, black cape and black and white haircut? <laughs> well, we're going to get into all of that in just a moment. But yes, we are going to be talking about the 1996 theatrical film Blackjack the Movie, which is pretty exciting for us here on this podcast because I think this is the very first... Blackjack, well, this is definitely the first Blackjack property that we've discussed on this podcast, but it's also the first Osamu Tezuka property that we are discussing on this podcast, which is pretty exciting in multiple ways. Uh, yeah, I think the only thing that we've covered Tezuka-wise, and this is, but it was more uh, tangential, was uh, Belladonna of Sadness, which was his production company, but he had left at that point when uh, Belladonna was made. Right, right. This is a proper Tezuka uh, property. I'm not sure if uh, any of the characters from Belladonna of Sadness ever appear in the Tezuka star system. That would be really weird to see any of them show up <laughs> in Astro Boy. Um, but I haven't seen Belladonna, so I wouldn't know. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about Blackjack the movie. And um, one of the reasons I pulled on Basil here as our special guest is because I know he is a longtime Blackjack fan. And whenever I asked him to be on this podcast, he said, Oh, Austin, by the way, we did an episode on this like 10 years ago or something like that. But then I thought, you know what? I think 10 years is a good enough time to be like, you know, I think I can step away from this, offer a fresh perspective. And of course, I'm saying all of this and making Basil feel ancient, so I certainly apologize for that. No, it's okay. I just feel like I was around since Asamba Katika started doing manga, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you are the sort of, uh, the, the more so of the Blackjack fan than, than we are, so uh, sort of, what is, what is your history with with the Black and Jack. I mean, I started watching, you know, the movie and the OVAs as as, as anyone did. Uh, I didn't, and I enjoyed them, but it really wasn't until Vertical started releasing the, the manga and I started getting into that is when I started really getting into Blackjack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, like, all good things in this world, it's honestly probably Ed Chavez's fault. 
Oh, right, right, yeah. <laughs> he does bring out some pretty cool manga stateside, for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess real quick before we get into our review and discussion about this movie, there are a couple of third impact anime things coming up that we want to let you know about. First of all, it is the year 2019, and it is November. That means this decade is almost completely over, and especially in the latter half of it, it has felt like a slog, for sure. Um, but um, all of that aside, there has been some rather excellent anime that has come out in this decade, specifically a ton of anime in of itself. Too so much anime. Lot, yeah, arguably too much, probably too much, definitely too much. But anyway, um, so we are currently in the process of preparing a sort of decade in review sort of series. We're not going to be going as in-depth as the decade in review that you will find over on the Anime World Order podcast because they're going to be talking about probably the decade over the course of, like, I don't know, 12 to 15 hours of podcasting. We're not going to be that crazy. Uh, hats off to them, but that's that's not what we're going to be doing. We are going to be doing a, a two-part uh, series on that. We're going to be talking about our favorite anime series of the decade, and then in another episode we're going to be talking about our favorite anime movies of the decade. Um, but what we would really like for you guys to do is to take part in our community poll, where we are asking people what their favorite anime TV series and movies were from this decade. So if you want to find that, please go over to thirdimpactanime.com and find our article that says Community Poll. And please participate in that poll. Let us know what you thought the best anime were. Uh, we have already gotten a handful of um, submissions in, and some things are not so surprising. Like, obviously, your name ranks pretty high up there. But I've been a little bit surprised on some of the other entrants. Um, but we will be talking about all of that more in depth in our Decade in Review series that will hopefully be coming up. Uh, later this year or hopefully early early next year but we're going to try and do as much of it this year as possible because we know how people's memories fade so quickly they will forget that the 2010s ever happened as soon as it is Jan the third week of january in 2020 so we want to save that off as much as possible <laughs> um but yeah do you uh basil do you over guys over the awesome cast have any plans for the end of the decade oh wow um hi um where am i who am i Sorry, it time <laughs> moves so faster when you're older. Mm. Uh, man, we're lucky to record podcasts just in general right now. Mm. Uh, poor Doug has got shingles, or is just oh, getting no. over shingles. And oh. Kevin uh, has had chicken pox like three times, and it has no resistance. Oh, bless his heart. So I don't know when we're going to see him again just to hang out. <coughs> so I have no clue when we're recording again or what we'll talk about but we'll eventually get back and we'll learn to do something i don't know if we'll do a decade in review we might do like a year in review mm -hmm. um because mm -hmm. if we try to a decade in review we'll just have 12 episodes just dedicated <laughs> to like that it sounds to me like your co-hosts need a doctor they they do <laughs> they do <laughs> All right, well, I'm so glad that we're giving you this opportunity to put out an episode, considering your co-hosts are a little bit under the weather. So thank you again for joining us. And uh, I guess if there's not anything else anybody wants to bring up, we can go ahead and move on to our review. Let's do it. Oh, I guess, no, wait, I should, I should uh, pimp out the other awesome cast podcasts we're doing that we're going to actually 
start doing it again soon once the holidays calm down, which is Touched by a Duelist, where uh, my wife Anne and I were watching Yu-Gi-Oh! and Touch and talking about them one episode at a time because we're married and we had to make the other one watch our favorite show that no one else will watch with us. You know, I love that idea, and I listened to your first episode of it, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Cool. Like, like we're gonna do more. It just, as soon as it happened, like I've switched uh, locations at my job, and she now has a job that's been giving her more stuff to do. And then holidays have come, and our friend Mark got married, and it's been a whole thing. But we're gonna get back on that. We're gonna get back on that train. And I certainly hope you do. Can't li- can't wait to listen to the next one. And speaking of holidays, let us go ahead and transition and talk about Blackjack's Giving. So, Blackjack the Movie was released in theaters in 1996. Uh, This theatrical version of Blackjack was spun out of a series of Blackjack OVAs created between 1992 and 2000, all directed by Osamu Dezaki, a gentleman that we've discussed a few times here on the podcast before, specifically when we reviewed his Lupin III special, Bye Bye Lady Liberty, a couple of months back. Uh, Dezaki was a huge creative force in anime, starting as a manga artist in high school and going on to work for Osamu Tezuka at Tezuka Productions in the late 1960s. He worked on a ton of popular series from a billion different genres and was truly a renaissance man of anime, if there ever was one. He directed both Hamtaro and Kogol 13, The (laughs) Professional, which that should definitely tell you something about his range. Uh, He passed away in the early 2000s from lung cancer, but his visual style permeates almost any anime you could ever watch. So this film, along with the OVA episode called Nighttime Tale in the Snow, were Osamu Dezaki's originals. They were not based on any pre-existing Blackjack stories. And this film in particular won the Mainichi Film Award for Best Animation in 1996, and is the only Tezuka Productions film to actually win that award. The screenplay was co-written by Dezaki with the novelist Eto Mori, who is a renowned children's author in Japan, whose original work, Colorful, was also adapted into an anime in 2010, and it also won the Mainichi Film Award for Best Animation in that year. Also, we cannot forget, of course, the other half of Team Dezaki, which is, of course, the legendary character designer, Akio Sugino, known for his more hyper-realistic and highly detailed designs that feature in numerous Dezaki-directed works, from Ashida no Jo to Rosa Versailles to Dezaki's own original series, um, Hakuge, The Legend of Moby Dick. And wouldn't you know it, he is still working, with credits as recent as Key Animation on March Comes In Like a Lion and, very appropriately, Young Blackjack, and I think he's probably in his mid-70s at this point, so it's good to hear that he is still working quite a bit. So, Bill, if you would not mind, can you give us the official ANN uh, synopsis of Blackjack the movie? Sure. Uh, Joe Carroll Brain attempts to hire uh, Blackjack 
uh, on a spreed of superhumans that have the strength, intelligence, athletic, and artistic skills with great excel in uh, with great uh, excel they excel in their different fields. Only to later find out that they start to deteriorate after some period of time, uh, ultimately causing uh, their deaths. Uh, Joe needs to hire Blackjack to find a cure for this rapid de-aging and their deaths. I just kind of copied that from the website, but that is horribly written. All the <laughs> A&N <clears throat> summaries are terrible. Who do I call to get that fixed? Like, I don't know. Uh, I only know this because I would have to do the program guides and things when Hamacon was around, and we would also make little listings, especially during the Minicon, where we had room and I'd have to go many times go find synopses. You're much better. Um, you have much better luck looking for uh, things like on Amazon. Like let's let's go to Am- uh, Amazon's videos thing for Blackjack and see if you can find a better one. Sure, let's do that. A genius black market surgeon specializes in superpower mutant medical cases, uncovering a dark conspiracy along the way in the movie adaptation of Osama Tezuka's legendary manga. That'll work. All right, so um, I guess as just sort of a primer on Blackjack, Basil, I know that you're, you're more of the fan, you're, you're more familiar with the manga, so uh, could you sort of give the folks listening at home sort of a primer on what is Blackjack, who is Blackjack, and what's all, what's all going on with this franchise? Okay, so Blackjack is one of the many, many series created by Osama Tezuka, who, you know, a lot of times people refer to as like the father of manga, the godfather of manga, the god of manga. He sort of reinvented manga as we know it is like the simplest, most pedantic way of saying it, but it's still pretty true. And essentially, if you take Itra Oda and you and you hype him up uh, full of, I don't know, uh, what... What what would you would you call what would you, what would you hype someone up on um, superhuman uh, drugs yeah uh, what is it, what is it they call it um, yeah like that's Tessica because take all of the insane creativity genius and insanity that Oda can put in one piece <laughs> Tessica just did that for like everything whether it was like kids shows from like Astro Boy or Kim with the White Lion to uh, later on in the uh, in the 60s and stuff when the Gekiga movement, which was sort of veering uh, Japanese comics closer to like darker <coughs> things, uh, Tezuka saw that and went, oh, we can do dark manga now? Okay, I'm going to do dark manga. Let me, I love, this is great. Let me do dark, gritty manga. And he did. And let me tell you, check out like Moo or Book of Human Insects. Tezuka was messed up. Like, Man, he he had some weird ideas of what was good. He was right. It was good, but it was messed up. And if you look in between these two things, you get Blackjack. Which is kind of like the, uh, if you take his, like, you know, kids rated stuff and his adult rated stuff, this is more like teen young adult stuff that kind of, you know, that still has humor here and there but still has a decent bit of darkness that really, um, for me, it's, it's, it's Tezuka's best stuff overall because it's this combo of, of, of goodness. And Blackjack 
is this guy. He's a doctor, but he doesn't want to deal with the man or regulations because he's a doctor that has his own personal brand of justice. So he operates outside the system for whomever will give him the most. Well, whoever would pay his prices because he has outrageous prices. But people. So it's basically like how the current American healthcare system is, except unfortunately every doctor charges outrageous prices. <laughs> but yes. it's not their fault. It's the insurance companies, anyway. And he doesn't like the insurance. He thinks insurance is stupid. So that's yes. why he does it outside the system. Because there's lots of stories where it's people who can't pay and he does it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, he's seen where things like red tape you get from like insurance companies or what have you has caused problems and the people who need the help can't get the help. And that's why he doesn't trust the man. That's why he's own his own thing. And that's why he's extremely hard to find. Tends to be extremely expensive because he charges the folks. He thinks, you know, like if he if, if Elon Musk asks him to, to do a surgery, he is going to get him for all the cyber trucks in the world because <laughs> screw you Elon Musk or Bezos but if you need the best you still call blackjack and they're <clears throat> going to pay it you know it's interesting that you mentioned sort of how uh, blackjack is like the synergy between the two sides of Tezuka it's like he it's like some of the blackjack stories cuz i mean i i haven't read a whole ton of blackjack i've seen one of the other more recent ovas from i think the early 2000s and it is interesting how it sort of jumps back and forth a little bit between things that are like, wow, that's really messed up, to things that are more like heartwarming and sweet and just a little bit adventurous. Um, so it is kind of that perfect little uh, middle ground between all of these different things that, uh, that Tezco was doing. Uh, yeah, I've, for me, besides the movie, I've watched um, the OVA series. And the thing that I find funny is just kind of the different contrast within Blackjack, because Blackjack as a character, he's kind of like Captain Harlock in that he's very uh, mournful in the way he dresses, and he's very um, to the point and direct and doesn't show a lot of emotion. Um, talking he's very him. gothic with a capital G. Exactly. That's a, <laughs> that's a good way of, <laughs> of putting it. Uh, but he's asked to do sometimes absurd things, like in one o- one OVA episode, a um, son of a rich billionaire dies or gets injured into a car accident and says, I want you to transplant my son's brain to this other child so that way he can live. And Blackjack is able to do that. Or another OVA episode was... This robot who was supposed to manage this giant hospital says that it is sick and wants Blackjack to operate on it. <laughs> so the, the OVAs can get kind of a Lupin, Lupin the third level absurd in terms of its believability. <laughs> yeah, Blackjack's medical skills translate one to one to being able to operate on computers. Well, it it's actually kind of funny because... Uh, one thing I didn't mention was that Osama Tezuka is also a fully trained medical doctor. Hmm. Like, he graduated medical school in case manga didn't work out because that's what his parents wanted. So, he actually knows his medical stuff. At least, you know, when he was around. And so that's one of the reasons why you might get more, like, 
decent depictions on how operations are actually done. And, you know, he's got a good, really, uh, idea of how anatomy, anatomy is supposed to work um, because he's a real doctor. Now, just did you like say Dr. Tezuk? Tram. Did... Yeah. Asama <laughs> did you, Tezuk did is you... an actual, like, he oh, graduated. I thought, I, I thought you said Dezaki, and I thought, mm, I'm not sure Dezaki was no, one, no, but sorry, yeah, sorry. Tezuka, you're right. If I said Dezaki, my bad. Asama Tezuka, mm. yes. like, actually graduated medical school. Right, right. That is very true. He just, he, yeah, he just used being an incredibly successful manga artist as, you know, just that side hustle, you know. <laughs> and, you know uh, how it is. That actually, the uh, that <clears throat> OAV that you're talking about, Bill, uh, about the, the, the jerk son and the good son, that's actually like the first chapter of the manga. Where, oh. like, the idiot son, the jerk guy, like, Rex in front of this good boy who's like a tailor and the jerk son wrecked himself so bad that all his organs are failing and he more or less needs a full organ transplant to live and so the the jerk son has a really really rich billionaire dad who's like hey I'll pay you and I'm going to also like get the law on my side to indict this good kid and call him and say he's the reason my son wrecked so therefore, he needs to be on the death penalty, and he can die so he can provide all the organs to my boy. And Blackjack's and well, like, um, I'll do it for billions of dollars, and he pays. Blackjack goes, awesome, I've done the surgery, do you want to look at the remains of the good kid? And he's like, no, 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 no. And he sees his son, his son's like, whatever, dad, I'm leaving. And he's like, oh, my stupid son. And it turns out, he didn't bother to actually like transplant any organs. He just did plastic surgery on the fly to make the good kid look like the bad kid. And cause he felt that the bad kid, he had a rotten soul. So therefore why worry on him? If someone's going to die, it might as well be him. Cause that's justice. Good kid lives with millions of dollars. Cause black Dex just gives him the money <laughs> you know, so that him and his so mom can live the good life in Tahiti. It's really interesting how, and we'll talk about this more for sure whenever we get into the discussion of this particular movie, but there are a lot of sort of like very uh, like classist overtones with uh, with this story or examining classism as well as uh, like uh, environmentalism and other uh, and other societal ills that um, both uh, Tezuka and Dezaki sort of explore in in their works, which I find is very interesting and makes makes the stories more. Um, more metaphorical, but still uh, tied onto like those real societal ills that uh, people can examine through uh, through the medium of fiction, which is always awesome. Which is what fiction is for, anyway. Um, <laughs> all right, so I guess um, Basil, first, since you probably watched it before we did, how did you come to discover specifically Blackjack the movie? I think we had it at Anime Club, like many, many, many moons ago. Where someone had the VHS of like, hey, we should watch Blackjack. And we went, okay. And we watched Blackjack. And then I forgot that I'd watched Blackjack until he asked me about on this podcast. And so last night, <laughs> Anne and I, and she's like, I'm not really big into medical things. I don't really like all like the surgeries and stuff. I'm like, I don't think there's that much in the movie. I was <laughs> <No>. wrong. <laughs> yeah. I was so wrong. Uh, like a third there's way, a she's like, I'm blood. done. I love you, but I'm done. And I'm like, I don't yeah. blame you. Then so that as, as she left out, like a minute later, someone's like stomach explodes. And I'm like, yeah, I, 
Yeah, yeah. they boy, they I forget. Mm-hmm. Blackjack's a surgeon, and they do some surgeries. Yeah, oh, yes, it, they yeah. do. If you're squeamish and don't like the sight of blood, uh, do not watch Blackjack the movie, because there's a lot of surgery scenes, and if you don't like seeing the inner workings of the body, I would not recommend this movie. Nope. Um, I guess for me, the way I first uh, encountered Blackjack the movie was... Um, I was familiar with Tezuka as a creator, but had never really consumed any of his stuff. And that was sort of the case for many years in my sort of burgeoning anime fandom days. And I really got, I really became an anime fan very in earnest starting in the early 2010s. Because uh, I didn't really grow up watching Dragon Ball or Pokemon or whatever. Um, I was more of a comic book uh, comic book cartoon kid, but uh, I, had, I had known about Tezuka's stuff for a while. Of course, I think everybody knows about Astro Boy, but the first uh, Tezuka thing I ever watched, and I think the first Dezaki thing I ever watched, was Blackjack the Movie. And I found it by fi- um, just randomly sort of blind buying the original manga DVD uh, from the used bookstore. Um, most of my anime discovery comes from the used bookstore, and that is still true to this day. Um, so yeah, I watched it, and I thought it was really weird and really interesting, um, because I was like, what in the world is going on with this wild character design on Blackjack, and like, what's up with this weird Pinocchio girl? What's her deal? Why is she here? Why does everybody look hyper-realistic, but Blackjack looks like, I don't know, a doodle on a napkin? Um, but regardless of all of that, um, I watched it, I really enjoyed it, and that was probably five or six years ago, more or less. Um, but I had kept remembering it and sort of learning more about Blackjack and consuming bits and pieces of the franchise since then. And now I've come back around to uh, wanting to do this review on, uh, on the podcast, but really it was Bill who was really pushing for us to want to do this episode. So, Bill, what inspired you to want to do this episode on Blackjack, and how did you first encounter Blackjack? Um, well, I got into anime in the mid-2000s, and at that time, even though streaming wasn't that well-known, there was a service called uh, Viki that had some anime titles on there, and... I remember correctly at the time uh, the blackjack OVAs were on there and that's kind of where I heard about blackjack first I watched some of the OVA episodes like them but like most uh, things I kind of forgot about it uh, and then um, my favorite company in the entire world discotech uh, picked the movie up and I decided um, I was gonna try and check out more of Discotech's catalog because I feel they have a very eclectic collection of releases and I found that um, it was on streaming and so I decided to check the movie out and uh, as you said I I thoroughly enjoyed it uh, uh, to uh, for the most part and uh, it got me to explore the uh, OVA series as well uh, which I think is also really good. Mm-hmm. Now we've we've mentioned the quote unquote the OVA series a couple of times here, but there are a, a few Blackjack OVA series. There was one from the early two thousands, and then there was the one that started in the mid nineties, which was the Dazaki one. Um, I have seen 
a little bit of that OVA series, which is where this movie sort of spun out from. I have a handful of the DVDs because it was released by Central Park Media back in the day. Um, but Bill, which one are you referring to? I'm referring to the Dazaki one because he worked on that OVA series sporadically from 1990 to 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Basil, do you have any familiarity with this one as well? Um, no. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's fine. Um, yeah, basically, it, it does strike me as kind of weird because, like, I've seen a few episodes of that, of that OVA, and they are very similar in style and tone, as you could expect to this movie. But, of course, this movie is a much more, like, polished version of that, and it is a Dezaki original, um, whereas the OVA has a lot of stories that are uh, borrowed and adapted from the manga. But I guess let's just go ahead and get started talking about the movie here. So, um, Bill, what did you think of it, watching it again this time? Um, it is a time. <coughs> it is a timepiece because uh, it it it's set into uh, the 1996 Olympics, guys, in Atlanta. Oh my Woo! goodness! <laughs> we were just there. Oh man, back when there was no worries in the world, the 90s, guys. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, what I like about the movie is it's a bit of a mystery of, like, how are these athletes, artists, and um, scientists becoming superhuman in their abilities, breaking all these records, how, and then um, very quickly deter their body deteriorating and then kind of going mentally insane. Uh, and so that aspect of the movie I thoroughly enjoyed. And if you've seen Tezuka's work, you see a lot of his um, tricks that he uses, a lot of dark shadow and the postcard memory shots. Um, and just kind of the, the look of the world is really, is really interesting to look at. Like um, at one point, um, Pinico, who is Blackjack's assistant slash uh, comic relief character is kind of being held by Joe uh, Joe Carroll to get Blackjack to work uh, for her and they get Pinico they entertain Pinico by going on all these rides and taking her to the beach and all this stuff and one of the um, outside attractions called um, it's like a ripoff of Star Wars uh, <laughs> Star it's Sorry. Space Wars. Space. I specifically wrote that down in my notes. Yes, Space Wars. Space Wars. Just the look of that building and the detail on it. Like, he could have just... They could have just made it, like, a, just a simple building that you'd see at an amusement park. But it's, like, this ginormous uh, robot-looking monstrosity, this building. <laughs> uh, so just the 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 um, detail of the, wor- of the movie is uh, really an impressive feat. Like, yeah, it has a... Go ahead, Basil. I would say, like, you know, Blackjack is such, again, because it can play with the super serious and it also can play with the kind of goofy. It is, like, one of the most perfect set pieces for Dezaki to really just go ham on the melodrama, which is when he is oh, yes. at his best. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, man, yeah, he, like, and when we say postcard memories, it means everything sort of gets all painterly and pauses for a second mm-hmm. and it sort of turns into like a, a, a painting 
and it's probably his most you know known thematic thing if you see it happen that's because of Dazaki and it just happens so much in this movie normally like it's like for example if you're watching his old uh, Aim for the Ace the old tennis anime that's usually how he would like end an episode but this is a movie so it just happens and you can sometimes watch it like transition animating into like a moment and then it sort of animates out like it's it's nuts yeah and uh he he originally uh sort of talks about this whole phenomenon in interviews as something that he did like first to like save money and to save labor because it uh, like drawing one frame really detailed is probably way more easy than doing sort of five whole seconds of animation where you can just hang on that one image um, for a while instead. Um, but he really used that to his advantage throughout his entire career. And like you said, it became one of his most known um, trademarks, really. And we talked about that uh, in detail during our Bye Bye Lady Liberty episode as well. But Bill, it's, it is interesting that you mention and Basil as well, about how exaggerated this whole world is. Like, it feels like a very believable sort of world in terms of some of the aesthetics, but it's also, like, hyper-exaggerated in others. Um, like, it reminds me of, like, something like Cowboy Bebop in that in that sense. Like, it is very uh, urban, sort of uh, dingy at times, and then, like, your super sleek, like, cityscapes and things like that, and also, like, the beautiful countryside. So there's so many different locales that uh, happen in this film, and a lot of them are, like, they feel like like neo-futurism in sort of a way because a lot of them are very like outlandish and ridiculous. And it, it feels like this movie doesn't really happen in a specific time period, um, which I think lends itself to that melodrama that you mentioned there, Basil, because Blackjack in of itself is a very melodramatic story. It's almost kind of fable-ish in that way, um, where a lot of characters their sort of origins and their conditions are more like extended metaphors for other things. Um, and, and then and there's it, a moment where Blackjack and Joe Carroll have to have a serious talk, but they're just talking for a while. So instead they make sure they're near a window so the wind can blow in. So <laughs> while they're talking, like like his robes are like flowing and her hair is flowing in the wind. And so it just lands this extra air, layer of pathos yes just so they and they're just talking or several scenes where they have the washing machine just going with all like you know the smocks and things you know just getting washed and it's like oh yeah everything's just circling and about to be washed away yeah there's some uh, really great command of uh of environmental storytelling there and, and making you know otherwise mundane looking things in the script very interesting to watch play out on the screen. Well, 
what did you guys think of the overall kind of plot mystery that the film presents um, as kind of a looking at anime for this best of the decade stuff there's not mystery films or mystery uh tv series are not as common as you would think they're if they are they're usually tied to kind of the horror genre um where this movie has some horror elements especially with the patients and how they act um for the most part i would call this movie a kind of a very traditional mystery you go first basil I was a, I you know I also would also be a thriller because there the it's a thriller mystery like because there's a something's happening and Joe Carroll isn't telling Blackjack everything and so he's having to figure it out and he's supposed to be the world's greatest surgeon not the world's greatest detective <laughs> but he still figures it out because I guess you know when you're an expert, you know, doctor, you've got to figure out what's wrong with patients. So I guess in some ways he does have to be the world's greatest detective. Well, he kind of gets help with uh, one of the doctors is secretly a spy for basically this World Health Organization. And no, says, it's doctors with guns. <laughs> <laughs> There's an organization of doctors who also use guns because <laughs> that in no way breaks the Hippocratic Oath. But they're not gun doctors. That's so, something totally different. That's true. <laughs> we're, 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 we're basically, he, he gives him, like, here, here's this file. Look at it. Like, he, just, he, he kind of figures that something else is going on, but the, kind of the evidence is kind of delivered to him. Uh, so it, it's more of just him. The only real um, detective work he does is tied to his medical background, which makes sense because he is the greatest doctor on the planet mm-hmm. uh, but uh austin what did you think of the kind of the thriller mystery um i think it's like a tonal choice for this type of story it was it was a really good one because sort of just by the nature of the premise of blackjack you know him being a master surgeon that has to figure out what's going wrong with his patients it's like this the whole premise of there are a new breed of superhumans that are basically like the mutants from the X-Men, except like their powers are not quite as bombastic. They're more just like she can paint extremely well, or he is a, or he can run really fast or play the greatest piano symphony or whatever. So it's like things that, you know, reasonable humans can do. They just happen to do them insanely well, like ridiculously well. And, um, he sort of gets hired to figure out the quote-unquote mystery beyond this, even though he's sort of being manipulated from the beginning. And again, that's sort of the second layer of the mystery, is that realizing that the original mystery in of itself is not the whole story. It's really how did we get there in the first place is the bigger mystery. Um, Mm. And I, I do think that, unfortunately, the story could have been a little bit more narrowly focused because I think the further it goes along the sort of the mystery gets a little bit muddled and there there's a lot of like plot points introduced and twists that i think make it a little bit confusing and a little bit weaker overall but in terms of the initial premise and the way that they do it i think it's largely a very 
very successful thriller, um, especially if you're somebody that's interested in like a medical thriller, because that specific genre of anime almost does not exist outside of Blackjack. Like, can't, I can't think of any other anime that's really like a medical thriller or a medical procedural um, outside of Blackjack. I mean, something that I would sort of maybe compare it to in terms of tone would be something like Psychopaths, um, which is also a procedural, but of course it's a, a um, like a law enforcement procedural, not a medical one. But it, it they they kind of share the sim, uh, similar DNA between the two and the way that they play out and uh, sort of explore the mystery. Um, mm. So yeah, that that's that's what I would say about that specifically. Um, but yeah, um, I sort of brought up the fact that I thought it got a little bit messier as it went along. I mean, would you guys push back on that? Do you think I'm wrong? Uh, I I thought for the most part um, the plot didn't veer off the tracks. I think my biggest complaints with the plot is uh, Pinico. She just seems to be there to get him to work for Joe Carroll, but other than that, she's just there to be there. Uh, Do you want to handle that, Basil? Maybe fill people in on who exactly Pinocchio is and why she's around? So, Pinocchio is just a bunch of sentient tumors. <laughs> sounds so weird when you say it like, like that. Well, that's what happens. Like, there's this woman who is has this really crazy growth, and she's dying, and Blackjack performs surgery. And he has issues because, like, the tumor's fighting back, and then he realizes... The tumor is the lady's twin sister. It just she somehow just got attached, and and it had no body of her own, and she was trying to take over her sister because she had, she had no other way to do it, and so Blackjack removes her, then creates a plastic body for her, and that's Pinocchio. I mean, we have one in every family. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's why it's very similar sounding to like Pinocchio. Yes, right. Um. Uh-oh. And so she and is like Tezuka was definitely a big Disney nerd. That oh, is also true. Uh, gigantic. Anyways, <coughs> so she's his sidekick. Um, she is sort of this comic relief, his assistant sometimes. Uh, I mean, she really does sort of represent sort of the goofy fun part uh, of Tezuka. But they're always together. Like once, because she's introduced in like chapter like three of the manga. Like she's there from pretty much the beginning. And so it's kind of, especially if you're doing Blackjack the movie, she's got to be in there. But what do you do with this super, like, serious, like, medical drama? And then you have Pinocchio. Like, no, it made total sense to me why they were like, okay, we need to have moments where she can be goofy and fun. Uh, and I think it's really more um, to help set up... Um, Carol mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. her uh, assistant uh, Fendi mm-hmm. uh, where they're constantly, you know, she's making a point of the entire time she wants Blackjack to solve this mystery even though she's not giving him the full thing but she's taking care of Pinocchio because she legit wants him to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's sort of like soft kidnaps her if that's even a thing that's possible she like doesn't like tie her up and threaten her or anything or like throw her in a duffel bag but she like like, takes her and like tricks her into going with her and her assistant but they like take her to amusement parks and take her to the beach and all this wonderful stuff even though she's technically kidnapped 
And you also realize, you know, about two thirds of the film, you think she's having a good time, but you realize she she totally knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. She's not actually dumb, uh, but she's doing it like for Blackjack's sake, because you know he's whatever he's doing, it's important. If it mm-hmm. wasn't, he just would have found her anyways. That's very true. That's very true. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, and, well, go ahead, Bill. And I guess my last problem with the movie is uh, the ending. Is um, at one uh, at one point in the movie, uh, Joe Carroll gets to uh, says Blackjack, come meet with me in this hotel, and uh, she says, come drink this uh, wine with me, and he's like, okay, fine. He drinks some of the wine, and basically, uh, she says, I've given you in the wine <coughs> was the same uh, kind of steroid drug that. Um, de-aged all the superhumans uh, and so they they kind of use that to ratchet up the tension of just like oh no blackjack might die he's got to find a cure for this how's he gonna do it but then um he finds this tribe who knows the origins of, of the foundation of the drug and they just say here just take this and you'll be fine just out of nowhere it's yeah, it's very Deus Ex Machina, and that that in of itself is not a bad thing, but it's like very very obvious in this movie, um, <laughs> which but is that, kind of. Go ahead. Sorry, right. yeah, it's it does the big reveal of the cure does kind of hit with a thud, but counterpoint, it has one of the absolute best moments in the movie, where Blackjack is in the desert and he's dying and suddenly he's the 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 nomads come up to him and all he can do is just go and and spit (laughs) blood at them and it's just like it's just like the way they they do it he's just and i'm like i it's it's so inadvertently humorous it had to be intentional and it was amazing and i stopped caring if it was Deus Machina anymore. That was that one moment almost made the movie for me. <laughs> there there are a absolutely amazing amount of characters coughing up copious amounts of blood, especially it, it, in the third act of this movie. It gets it gets so over the top at points where it just <laughs> it becomes kind of like uh, dead or alive or evil dead with the amount of blood mm-hmm. that just starts spilling out everywhere, especially um uh, the the superhuman patients when they're nearing the end of their lives mm-hmm. or when you see just like yeah we're just going to show you this drill going directly into the brain uh, <laughs> it's just uh, man uh, they're, they're really showing the this, the, the blood and uh, lots of lots of blood which mm-hmm. uh, which is a bit surprising because this, this movie was rated um, I think like PG-13 or something mm-hmm. whereas in Japan uh Lots of blood and gore are more subjective compared to nudity, whereas in the United States, it's completely the opposite. Mm-hmm. And there's another interesting thing that I wrote down in my notes because it stuck out to me as extremely humorous. But um, that scene where Blackjack is in the airport and the other doctor lady comes up to him and hands him that file and says, oh, I found this file that you were looking for. <laughs> Luckily, it had just fallen behind the shredder. How lucky we were. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, isn't that just gosh darn convenient? Um, 
but I, I mean, I, I find that funny. And of course, I'm just kind of nitpicking on this stuff because uh, it really is a very enjoyable movie overall. It's yeah. just whenever, whenever things are that, you know, obvious of just pulling them straight out of your butt, it's, it's always very humorous to me. Uh, Did you guys also catch the great, um, totally not a legit company name they use? Like the TVs are called Zonies. Not Zonies, not 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 Sony, Zony, or how <laughs> Joe Carroll works for the Bear Corporation, that's similar to the um, company that makes the the Bear um, medicine uh, here in the United States. But no, it's it's different. It's totally different. I mean, oh. it was technically the Atlantis Olympics, not oh. Atlanta Olympics. So. Mm-hmm. I yeah, she works for the Brain Corporation, B R A I N, but yeah, that is very similar to Bear. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, but um, in addition to those like cameos as well, did you guys catch Don Dracula in the beginning? Did you guys see him? No, I, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, he shows up in the very beginning. He is one of the announcers for the Olympics, and I'm sure that all of you saw the uh, the wonderful Astro Boy puzzle that Pinocchio was putting together. Oh, that was great. Of course, I mean, there was. They had, they had pieces like Astro Boy, uh, an earlier puzzle. They had Kim of the White Lion and Princess Knight. Like, oh, no, they were... Oh, wow. Like, yeah, if you notice, like, his... Uh, Pinocchio goes <laughs> with two different puzzles. One has, like, Princess Knight and Kimba and some other things. And then the other one was Astro Boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Cool stuff right there. Uh, I think just uh, one other element that we've kind of brought up with this movie is I like how melodramatic and soapy it can be at times. Because uh, again, one scene with Blackjack and Joe Carroll, where he's where they're in the hotel room, and she's like explaining her method, and Blackjack puts his hand against the wall and goes, "What you're doing is wrong. How could you?" <laughs> Just it's it's very um the way I kind of see Blackjack is he's very much kind of like uh, Captain Harlock mm-hmm. in a way, and just um, stylistically, the not only he, because he drinks wine. <laughs> not only because he drinks wine and also just how kind of melodramatic and verbose uh blackjack and harlock can get at times mm-hmm. and i think that really like kind of like i said earlier i think that that tone really lends itself to this movie and they're very much sort of in uh in in harmony in that way um, but I guess um, our other major character that we've sort of talked about a little bit in this movie would be our I guess at risk of spoilers, calling her the villain. I guess, but you know, people people know we don't do spoiler warnings on this podcast. Anyway, um, would be I, Joe Carroll. I would um, also say like antagonist. Yeah, I mean uh, foil. Yeah. That's true, and um, and I think that she works as a good villain because she is so similar and so different to Blackjack in that in that foil way. Um, but what did you guys think about Joe Carroll in this in this movie? Uh, Basil, you can go first. I, I mean, she did a really good job of being the uh, sort of the uh, I I looked it up to uh, her. She's portrayed by uh, Mayo uh, Suzukaze, and she didn't have too many roles. But one of her roles, she was uh, in the old TV show The Snow Queen as the Snow Queen, and mm. she very much is the Snow Queen in, in Blackjack. She's very cold and, and calculating. Uh, and, and she is a lady who knows what she wants and how to get what she wants. 
That's very true, and, uh, and uh, they reveal her like tragic backstory towards the end, but uh, I, I found her character even compelling sort of without those details about her personal life, because she is very interesting, she is very multifaceted, I mean, she's like a master manipulator, but at the same time she does have those like hints of humanity, even though I think sort of her backstory reveal sort of undercuts that a little bit. Um, mm. I still think that she she ends up being a very compelling villain because she very much like Blackjack, but just doesn't have necessarily like his goodness where he's like inherently good at the end of the day. She is more selfish, I guess. Mm. Well, she she kind of has to be selfish based off her background of just like yeah, that's survi- survival of the fittest of just mm-hmm. how this billionaire magnates um created these test tube babies and said one of you will be my adopted child but Mm -hmm. you have to win this contest which is kind of insane (laughs) and Uh, that's one of the other things that just made me be like okay there's just so much going on in this movie it's like we could have i mean we could have just done it where she was the daughter of a very like overbearing evil billionaire dad and that would have sufficed enough they didn't have to be (laughs) child battle royale to get that to (laughs) resonate but i mean that's that's just me personally i mean it is super ridiculous and it definitely works i guess with this type of story but i don't know it really feels like Dazaki was like okay okay y'all what if we do it what if we push it more yeah, and, and I think he literally well, kept just pushing it just a little bit more here and there until he like <coughs> he was ran out of it. Well, like this movie, this movie goes so over the top where they like show an illustration of her in a, this giant thing of ice in space. Yeah, that was a good so, uh, good metaphor. Yeah, to to basically represent her emotions and her being, uh, <laughs> which was uh, really pretty, by the way, just. Uh, it, the thing they kind of push with her is she's kind of like this exotic ice queen that's really beautiful um, that they push. But um, the one thing that I, I like about how they use her is they, like, while she is very beautiful and they focus on her eyes, um, they it's not um, very fan service-y. Mm, like, not at all. It's not, it's not uh, go ahead, Austin. Well, I was just going to say not at all. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like, cause, um, there's not really any, um, like, uh, TNA in this movie that they, that she, she doesn't use that as a tactic to get Blackjack to work for her, which is a, a kind of a nice change of pace. She does have some extremely rad 90s business lady suits, for sure. <laughs> that is very true. Mm-hmm. And Everybody... the only person in a, in a swimsuit in the entire thing is Pinocchio.
we touched on it a bit ago, but there is that whole subplot of there being a militant sort of anti-corporate medicine group. Um, <laughs> it was another one of those like uh, things that Dazaki thought, oh, wow, this is a really cool idea. Let's do it and put it in the movie because there are no rules. Um, but uh, I thought that was a neat idea, just maybe not quite executed in the most sensical way. Um, I did like how they made it a little bit more personal by tying the um, the other doctor that was working there sort of undercover uh, and, it, and uh, having him as, as a pretty prominent side character. But again, I thought it was just one of those things that was kind of just in it and not really expounded upon too much. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on, on that specific element of the story? Well, isn't that common with a lot of Jazaki works is they're very over the top. Like, uh, you remember, I've, I forced everyone to watch Sword for Truth, which is another OVA that he, OVA he made that's very bombastic and over the top. Same thing with Gogo the 13th, the professional, uh, which is uh, also, it's, it's, it's not my issue. It's not my issue that it's over the top. I mean, I really love over the top things. My issue is that just it is one more additional over the top thing amongst a sea of over the top things, and none of them are necessarily explained very thoroughly in in an hour and a half movie. But I think that's kind of what Dazaki does. Is just he's gonna. What else do you need to know? It's a roving band of doctors with guns. But they're doctors with guns for justice. <laughs> so you can trust them because they're going for justice. And That's true, right. Basil. I'm, I'm thinking about it way too hard. Don't forget their hazmat suits that they wear busting into the hospital. That's true. Um, and they just show up at the weird uh, uh, oil castle at the very end and just explode it. I think you mean Midgard? Oh, yes, exactly. Very, very Midgar- Midgarish. And it wasn't, it wasn't, they weren't, the Doctors of Guns did not destroy Midgard. That was creepy, like, uh, business, you know, medical evil, tycoon guy. Evil billionaire medical tycoon. Like, oh, Elon I Musk blew detail. that up, not... I, yeah. I must have missed that detail, because, because Because, remember, the, the, the Doctors with Guns released to the public about the drug, and he was like, I have no involvement, so he's... So the billionaire's like, well, I gotta hide the evidence. So mm-hmm. I need to, I need to destroy this not oil factory that's making the, that's gathering the resource, uh, and kill my adopted daughter, so that way no one can know that I was behind this. Mm. Day in the life of billionaires. <laughs> uh, again, just kind of hammering home a bit just like it's a the movie and its plot is very soapy and over the top and bombastic so it's it's a very simple moral billionaires bad doctors with guns good exactly too many (laughs) endorphins bad some pollen good (laughs) be at one with the environment and listen to the native people my, one one other thing I wanted to bring up, if I, it's an awkward transition, is um, with all the medical um, surgeries that happen throughout the film, is I was surprised how detailed, like the bo- each um, the body was like when they go inside the brain and they show that oh they're removing the membrane of the brain, and there's every little bump and bruise and. 
just just the detail on the surgeries or when they're having to get this appendix out um, on one of the the um, superhumans. Yeah, and I was I, reading a, an interview with Dazaki, and he said that he did have a medical consultant on the uh, on the animation team, or at least contribute to uh, to some of that information um, that they needed to do those certain scenes. So, because uh, that was not something that he knew sort of inherently, um, more like probably Tezuka would have. Um, but yeah, so he definitely did his research on that. And it makes sense. I mean, again, Blackjack uh, Tezuka himself was a doctor, and so a lot there's a lot of surgery scenes in the manga. So I'm sure Dazaki just wanted to really do that justice. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So I guess we're sort of closing here on our review of uh, Blackjack the movie, but we did want to talk a little bit about the two dub casts. Um, I know specifically in the English dub, Blackjack is voiced by Kirk Thornton who is a uh, longtime anime voice actor. He's been voicing characters in anime forever. Um, and he voiced Blackjack also in the uh, in the 90s OVA series, as well as this movie. And I think he does an absolutely fantastic job. He's got a good range of being able to do both sympathetic characters and more, like, hardened, hardened dudes who have been, you know, worn weary by the world and all that stuff, and I think his uh, his performance uh, was, was really solid. Um, Basil, did you want to talk about the Japanese seiyuu for Blackjack? Yeah, it's uh, Akio uh, Otsuka, and I mean, he's Solid Snake. He's Big Boss. He is, uh, for uh, the Kingdom Hearts kids, he's Ansem. Oh yeah, you're right. Like, he is he is one of my favorite voice actors, period. Um, he is Gaius in Final Fantasy fourteen who recently became a much more important character in the new expansion. Mm. So I was very intent on, you know, at least listening to the Japanese dub when I was playing my MMO. Mm -hmm. He He's great in everything. He's one of those perfect, deep Japanese, like, you just keep talking, I'll just keep listening. <laughs> I agree. And uh, Kirk Thornton is also in Kingdom Hearts. He plays Saix, so funny how that works. Um, but uh, Joe, uh, one more specific thing that I know Bill is a big fan of in the English dub, uh, Joe Carroll is voiced by his favorite voice actress, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn. Yay! I always enjoy uh, hearing her. But uh, sadly, I did not know that. I only watched the sub for our podcast, so now I will have to go back and listen to the dub. It's a very solid dub. I mean, it um, it has the same sort of talent pool. Um, I think it was actually done by Bang Zoom or whatever was the precursor to Bang Zoom. I think it might have been a um, Kevin Seymour dub, but I don't know that for sure. I'd have to look into that. If if I am wrong, I will look it up and just be wrong. But um, it had a lot of the same uh, voice actor pool that you would hear in uh, other dubs of that time period. Um, which would be like the early, early, late '90s, early 2000s. Um, lots of care, lots of voices that would appear in stuff like Cowboy Bebop and uh, and other dubs like like that. So yeah, either if you pick the Japanese version, you'll have a good time. If you pick the English version, you will also have a good time. So I would highly recommend both. And if you buy the amazingly beautiful Discotech Blu-ray, you will have access to both of them. But it is also available on Amazon Prime. Is is it available anywhere else that you guys know of? So I watched it on Verve, so it's also on Crunchyroll. Nice. I believe it's also on Tubi. Okay, cool. And Tubi is free, correct? Yes. Yes. Cool, awesome. 
Alright guys, well I think that sort of wraps us up here talking about Blackjack the movie. Uh, do you guys just want to do final thoughts and recommendations? Yeah, go watch some Blackjack. Heck yeah, short and sweet. Um, yeah, I would also say go watch some Blackjack. This is a pretty good place to start. If you can sort of forgive the fact that they don't really introduce Pinocchio and she's very confusing. Um, but everything <laughs> else is pretty pretty self-explanatory and pretty self-contained. So you don't really need to know too much jumping in. And uh, yeah, it's a really, really fun movie. Really gorgeous, too. I think you'll have a good time. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great looking movie. And if you like watching medical dramas and uh the personality of captain harlock you will probably like blackjack very very good well guys thank you so much for joining me on this episode and especially you basil thank you for coming on and being our special guest for this one uh we really really appreciate it and we can't wait to have you back on again it was an absolute pleasure thanks for having me on and where can people find you and your podcast on the internet okay so you can find me mostly on twitter at it's basil time when i remember to get on twitter which is probably, you know, a, the best way to do Twitter is to forget you have Twitter. But <laughs> um, <coughs> that's where I am in existence. Uh, my podcast is the Awesome Cast, your podcast for thing awesome. O-S-M-C-S-T dot com. Uh, we have tons of, you know, we've been doing this for over 10 years, I think. Good Lord. Um, so there's all sorts of episodes you can listen to if you uh, if you want to dig into the backlog. Uh, like I said, we're, I'm now doing a new show also with my wife on the same uh, same network, quote-unquote, called Touched by Duelist. Again, we're talking about um, I am watching Yu-Gi-Oh! for the first time in my life. She's watching the anime Touch by Mitsuru Adachi uh, for the first time in her life, and we're talking about it an episode at a time. We've got a huge um, just backlog of all these awesome interviews we've got to do over the years and my friend john uh he that's now sort of that's been his thing for the longest time he never had a way to get it out there and we were like well join the awesome cast family let's get those awesome interviews going and he is and he has taken that on with a plum it's it's, it's great and uh another friend of ours from that same friend group uh, dylan uh we did a couple of what we called awesome quests where we did some tabletop games with some guests at hamacon and I think we're going to try to spin that out to be another thing on the Quote Network uh, to be a thing as well. So 2020, we're going to be doing stuff. We're kind of slow right now, but when, I think once 2020 hits, we're going to be uh, firing off on hopefully many, many cylinders. Heck yeah, we can't wait for it. It's always always good content coming out from you guys, so always looking forward to it. And Bill, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at on Twitter at WBForman999. Uh, but I really want to um, talk about our wonderful website, thirdimpactanime.com, where among our crew, I am the king of the writers. <laughs> I, write, I write the articles. Um, if you want to read more about um, Zaki, I wrote a review about a movie he directed called GoGo13 The Professional. If you like canon films... Uh, and those types of kind of uh, wonderful cheap B movies, you will probably like Go Go Thirteen the Professional. And uh, I'm saying this on the podcast so that way I can get it done. I am writing an article about how you can get into Detective Conan, uh, oh. aka known as Case Closed, because uh, a f- my friend uh, Michael said, "Hey, we need another super long anime to watch." 
one piece isn't enough. So he said, why don't we do case closed? And I said, sure. Uh, so now I am a hundred uh, episodes in and we're going to keep going and we're going to see how far we go. We skipped the filler, so that makes things much faster. But I'm going to be writing about how you can get into the franchise and why it is very entertaining. Tori uh, is sobbing that y'all did not pick Pretty Cure. <laughs> I did. I did mention that with Michael, so it is on the super long anime <laughs> docket. <laughs> uh, one of these decades, I guess. I, I mean, we only started like uh, two or three weeks ago, and we're already like in the hundreds. So we're going through it fast. Y'all are madmen, I tell ya. Oda has said, One Piece is ending in like, I don't know, 5, 10, 20 years. You're going to eventually have to replace it. You might as well replace it with Pretty Cure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Austin, one last thing and uh, I'll be done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know when this episode is going to be coming out, but um, hopefully sometime in December, a, a tradition we do... Uh, with Third Impact Anime is do a favorite things of the year list with everyone. So hopefully sometime in December uh, you will get to see what we all enjoyed uh, for the year of 2019, whether that be anime, regular movies and TV shows, video games. It's always fun to see what everyone in the crew was enjoying for the year. So I highly recommend that whenever it comes out. Yep, I gotta get started working on that pretty soon because, of course, the holiday times get busy and the earlier I get started on these things, the better. And I also have to watch my stuff for the anime... uh, Excuse me, for the Annie Gamers Anime Secret Santa because I am participating in that this year. And I've got already got my things uh, from My Secret Santa, so I'm uh, really excited to watch those. I'm going to be watching... um, Mamoru Oshii's The Skycrawlers, as well as Non Non Biori. So definitely like <laughs> two two vastly different sides of the anime spec- spectrum, which I'm very excited for both. Um, I'm going to offer something to you, Austin. Yes, Basil. Um, once y'all are done with your favorite things of the year stuff on your website, mm-hmm. let me know and I'll write my own blog post for you as a guest about my favorite things from y'all's lists. Oh, wow. That sounds fascinating. I'll probably have to take you up on that, Basil. All right. Awesome. I'm telling you now so you can remind me because I'll forget that I've offered this. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Whenever I'm editing this, I'll remind you. Don't don't worry, Basil. I'm usually one... When it comes to articles, I'm the one reminding everybody. Like, come on, guys. Time to get going. So (laughs) I'll just just start um, pestering uh, you about... Uh, your guest article, uh, like I pester Austin and the rest of the crew about their articles. At the the end of I can't write it until the rest of y'all do yours. So <laughs> just, just don't, don't bug me until that's done. But then I'll do it. The pestering never ends, but that's how we like it. All right, folks. <laughs> uh, my name is Austin. You can find me over on Twitter at Bebop Shock. That's Bebop as in Cowboy Bebop, and Shock as in what happens whenever you stick a fork inside of your outlets. Um, and you can also find me 
active over on the Third Impact Anime website, and you can find all of us over on the Third Impact Anime Community Discord, which is open to the public. Uh, all you have to do is go over to our website, thirdimpactanime.com, and click on the Community tab, and that will take you to our Discord Community Invite page, and you can just go ahead and add yourself there. And if you guys really enjoy the content that we make here on Third Impact Anime, and you want to help us make more of it, please consider donating to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash thirdimpactanime. Uh, the more support we get over there on Patreon, the more content we can make for you guys, and any little bit helps. Uh, we have a $1 and a $5 tier, and you can find out more information by visiting our Patreon. Again, that is patreon.com slash thirdimpactanime. Our website is thirdimpactanime.com. And thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and we will see you in the next one. Have a great holiday season until you hear from us next time. Bye-bye. Oh, no, no, I'm not done yet. Okay, Because I want to reiterate, join the Discord. It's awesome. Thank you. Yes. Uh, it has been very fun. I am very glad I've joined. It's pretty much the official, unofficial AwesomeCast Discord. Because <laughs> if I were to make one, it would just be a repeat of the Third Impact Anime Community one. So why bother making one? Just go to that one. It can serve multiple communities, and I'm proud that it does. Okay, okay now you can tell everyone bye. I just want to be like, no, no, please, please join the Third Impact Anime Discord. It's great. Basil's opinion is gospel. All right, guys, I will see you in the next one. Have a good night. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.